5, 5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 1, 1. We have ignition. Strap in.
And you know why? Because I have a San Francisco Giants hat and I have a San Francisco Giants T-shirt. Yes, yes, I am a bandwagon fan. I do, I do pull for whoever's winning sometimes. So when the Braves suck, at least I know, you know, the Giants will never let me down. So <laughs> I'm pulling for the Giants, man. I really am. I really am. I also have an Oregon Duck cap and a shirt that my wife bought me, but I don't wear that anymore. Hell, you know, I'd, I'd be embarrassed to wear that even in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, the Oregon Duck. And, and, and here's the deal. I think Jason Humphrey is depressed right now. He will not be joining us. He sent me a message tonight. He, he's going to be on the run tonight, on the move. He may not can make it in. I think Jason's depressed out there. And he's finally starting to realize that what we're saying is true. And sometimes the truth hurts. You know, you don't want to hear the truth. You don't want to hear your team talked about in a negative way. And I apologize if I do that sometimes. But I will do it to my own team as well, will not Jonathan? And you will too. It's just the truth. That's what we try to tell on this show. We don't try to blow smoke up your butt. We just want to tell you what we think. Yeah, I mean, we will be critical of some teams, and there's there's reasons for that. Um but, I mean, you and I both, we tend to be uh, what one would consider a little overly critical of our team. We'll overhype our team a little more than uh, some people would expect uh, just because we know our team so well, but we will tear them down quicker than anybody else. Yeah, and and, and I, I, I want to bash Jimbo tonight a little bit. I'm sure, hell, you'll, you'll bash Auburn a little bit, but it's all in the truth of what we feel, though. You know, it's not like we're just – I'm gonna sit here and tell you great things. No, we're gonna. I'm, if I talk good, there's gonna be some bad with it. But a lot to cover tonight. And here's something on ESPN I read that was funny. It's like Andy can't. No, it was uh, Austin Ward said something about Ohio State being on high upset alert against Indiana. Well, you're not on high upset alert when you're a 31 point favorite, are you, Jonathan? Are you are you on upset alert? You know, it's cute. So in, Indiana. Uh, takes down Michigan State, right? And everybody's like, oh, Indiana might actually have a I good team. It. Oh, yeah, well, a lot of people did. It's amazing how, you know, people were all over Indiana. And after the game, the the consensus from everybody who watched it was, are we sure Michigan State's actually good this year? And what we're not. So how do we know Indiana's good? The, the whole high upset alert thing reminds me of Maryland and Florida State in 2013, when Maryland came in undefeated, and everybody, including myself, was like, "Let's let's watch out here, guys. This this Maryland team might be better than we expect." And Florida State beat them sixty-three nothing. So I expect Ohio State to get after them uh, after Indiana. This is a team that is ta- not taking last year lightly. No, and then, and here's why I took Indiana. I, it's all about matchups. When I, when I looked at that game, I saw Michigan State not as athletic as they have been in years past. Unsettled at quarterback, they lost. They beat Notre Dame, but again, that wasn't a big win like everybody thought. And Indiana will spread you out. They do have better. It's, Indiana has better athletes on the field, skill position wise, than, than Michigan State. Well, what's going to happen is when they play Ohio State in the shoe, they're going to see that they do not have those matchups. They don't, they don't have favorable matchups, and Ohio State's going to beat them like a drum. I mean, I'm thinking like 48-10, something like that. That's what I would predict. But we'll talk about that game later. But it's just something I want to throw out there. It's like, come on. I know you want every game Ohio State plays to be this huge upset alert, but you're not 30-point favorites and on upset alert, okay? It's like saying Bama was on upset alert against Kentucky when they was favorite 36. No. It's not going to happen. 
unless you're Michigan and you lose to Appalachian State or somebody. Uh, but it's it's usually not an upset alert game. Now, if Ohio State was favored ten at home, yeah, that's that's an upset alert game you could you could throw out there. But anything over ten point is not to me. Uh, I'd say fourteen. Let's just I'll be generous tonight. Fourteen. If you're you know fourteen, you got to respect that team. They can do some play you close, but if you're fourteen, you should win, Jonathan. But thirty. You should. There's not even a contest. Vegas doesn't lie. They don't miss lines like that. They don't miss them by 30 points, do they? So they may miss them, but not by 30. But ESPN kills me the way they they do sometimes. And I don't know if you saw the news. I saw some flash that Chris Leak, Florida's old quarterback, uh, quit his high school job, coaching job, and he raped a 16-year-old girl. Is that what you're hearing? Or Tell me more, Jonathan. Uh, I know you know the the scoop. I know you have the scoop if it's something to do with Florida. Uh, yeah. Um, wow. Thanks. Thanks for breaking that one into me. Uh, I actually hadn't caught that one uh, just okay, yet. Well, uh, hold on. Well, hold on. Let, let, I let have the report in front of me. Well, I have the report in front of me. Oh. Well, do not read it because we're not gonna we're not gonna do that right now. Um, Florida's game is going to go on in Gainesville this weekend. Just want to throw that out there. They they would rather risk the lives of all their people than to go to Death Valley and play that game. So they're staying in Gainesville for the Florida LSU game. I'm interested to see if they move that game some way to an earlier game. Is it a, is it a noon game or is it a night game in Florida? Do you, do you remember? Uh, it's a noon game. Okay, so maybe they'll play it at 8 o'clock in the morning, but they'll do anything they can not to play that game in Baton Rouge because I was thinking about who I was going to take in that game, and if it was going to, if I could get it at minus three and that game would be flipped to Baton Rouge, boy, I'm in the money then. But that game is staying in Gainesville. Just wanted to throw that out. We'll come back to the uh, the Chris Leak thing. And uh, another interesting side note, I saw a, an article where Alabama, I don't know if you remember, they fired their coach, one of their defensive line coaches before the season started due to NCAA mm-hmm. allegations of wrongful recruiting. Well, they paid him like $350,000. They gave him money. So I didn't know, Jonathan, you had to pay a coach if you fired him uh, with cause. So if you fire someone with cause, especially with NCAA, but there's a report coming out that Bama actually paid this guy. So I wonder what Alabama's doing paying a coach that they fired for illegal recruiting and breaking NCAA rules. Uh, I mean, I, I would go out on a limb and say it's just your basic severance package. Um, There's no severance package would... when you get fired. There's no severance <laughs> package when you get fired because. It's a weird, it's Alabama. Are we? Are you actually surprised, Brian? It's Alabama. Come on, man. That's called that's called shut your mouth money right there. If you'll not say anything else, we will pay you. But if uh, if you do say something, then you know then we're not going to pay you. I'm just kidding with Bama fans out there. They know they know how I know they cheat and they they know it. I mean, I don't have to say and say it. I mean, but we're going to talk about Auburn tonight. I, I I found out something funny, Jonathan. That is it a coincidence that. John Franklin III is taking a lot more reps in practice than he has been in the weeks past. Does that surprise you a little bit? 
And this this is I not mean, common knowledge. This is not this is not street knowledge. This is not on ESPN or anywhere. You will not find this. But um, well, just want to know your thoughts on that. It sounds like they're trying to, uh, you know, they they want to try and get him to be the starting quarterback, and they're working with him. Uh, and, and you know, all they're looking for at the end of the day is, you know, they figure more reps we get this kid in, in practice, the quicker we can get him up to speed. And the quicker we get him up to speed, the quicker we can actually throw him out there and let him play. So I, I think it's an interesting move by the coaching staff. Um, I got to imagine they can't help Sean White because the less reps Sean gets, uh, you know, that's pro- not as good yeah. for him, especially when you're going up against an Auburn defense in practice. That is pretty good. Yeah, and I'm not look. I've always been a critic of Sean White. I like the kid, and and uh, an interesting stat about Sean White. We'll open up up with Auburn this weekend in that game against Mississippi State. One thing that that I, I'll tell you, Jonathan, has surprised me that he's leading the SEC in completion percentage at 68 percent, 68.5. This guy has only thrown one interception all season long. And and you, you look at the competition, it's against A and M, Clemson and LSU, three good defenses. And the guy has grown up so much because I remember last year's start against Mississippi State, he took the ball all the way down the field his first drive and threw a pick in the end zone. Mississippi State won the game like twenty one to nine, something like that. I think it was. But that was a very good Dak Prescott quarterbacking that team and then Auburn was still trying to find an identity. But just to see how far he's grown and come, very impressed with what he's done. He's a good quarterback, but I think Auburn realizes, and I hope the fans understand that I was thinking the other day, why, you know, if the best player is John Franklin on the team, the offensive player, if he's one of your best 11, why is he not on the field somewhere? It may not be a quarterback, but then I started thinking, well, if if he was not going to play quarterback, Jonathan, they would put him in somewhere. Punt returns, running back, they would do something to get him touches. And, you know, why they haven't is because they're working with him at quarterback and they don't want him to get hurt doing something other than quarterback. Does that make sense? Because I think they're really about to, after this game, I think Mississippi State may see some Franklin. But I think after that bye week, right after Mississippi State, when they come back and host Arkansas, that's when John Franklin's going to start getting a lot more playing time. I think that's when we're going to see it. I mean, that makes sense to me. You don't necessarily want to Braxton Miller him already. You know how Braxton's senior year moved to the slot um, to um, so that they could get him on the field because he's such an explosive athlete. And there's no doubt Franklin's a great athlete. Obviously, they still want to try and make him a quarterback, uh, and they want him to – Kind of be like Nick Marshall, but you got to get the time. You got to get the kid time to kind of break in. It, it kind of surprises me they didn't just essentially go with a dumbed down playbook to throw him out there, kind of like they did with Cam Newton um, and Nick Marshall to start their Auburn careers. Essentially, was here's a dumbed down playbook. Let's just get you out there and get and start getting you with the basis of the triple O uh, or the RPO. I mean, and uh, we'll we'll go from there. So uh, you know, I, I think the, this coaching staff is looking. Uh, towards next year for John Franklin, not necessarily this year. See, I think they're. I think they actually think they can win some games this year at Ole Miss or at Georgia, at Bama. I think the defense is good enough to win. I think that's what you're starting to see. And Jonathan, I'm gonna mute you real quick. Um, I'm getting a lot of background noise, but 
I think they're using him now because they realize that once he comes in against Ole Miss, Georgia, or Bama, there's not a lot of film to study, not a lot of time prep work. And I think Sean White's everything you've seen from Auburn. So if you're preparing for Auburn and you're Mississippi State, you're looking at Sean White, maybe Franklin. You don't really see Franklin in situations unless the game is out of control, out of hand. And in SEC games, you're not going to see that. So in LSU, we didn't see it but one play. So SEC teams are not preparing for John Franklin. But, you know, if you're Arkansas State, Louisiana, Monroe, A&M, Alabama A&M at the end of the year, you will. And I think the surprise factor is what Gus Malzahn is looking for with Franklin. And I'll say it again, last time they played LSU in the second quarter was a time when LSU was holding their hands on their hips. They were tired. That was when I thought they were going to put him in. They didn't. But I think they're looking for a surprise factor. I think Auburn is good enough to beat Mississippi State without Franklin. I think they're good enough to beat Arkansas without Franklin in Jordan-Hare Stadium. I do not think that Auburn is good enough to go to Ole Miss and win. To go to, to I don't even think they're good enough to go to Georgia and win or Alabama. Those three games on the road remaining on this schedule can only be won with a dynamic quarterback if you're Auburn right now. And if he gets those reps, he gets going. you got to watch out for Auburn, Jonathan, seriously, to be a sleeper right now in the SEC if they get past Mississippi State and Arkansas because all of a sudden you're looking at a one-loss SEC team going down for a stretch run, which means, in all honesty, they could control their own destiny in that Iron Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot like 2013 with Auburn to where if they can just keep winning, they're unexpectedly, if you will, going to be in the running at the end of it. And that that's obviously a huge thing because if, if Auburn runs the table, they win the SEC West. You know, that's something, you know, the fans and everybody needs to remember. Whether you believe it's going to happen or not is one thing, but at least have faith in your team. So, you know, there's a lot of teams that are out of it, but they're not out of it. I mean, if Auburn wins the SEC West and plays an SEC championship game, I think uh, the, it would be a consensus that this season was a uh, success, especially considering going into the year, expectations of a double-digit uh, win season weren't really that high. No, and it's it's starting week by week. I'm starting to see an identity shape. And uh, there's that kid, James, from uh, Texas, the five-star. He's the number one guard that came out of Texas. He uh, started for Texas as a freshman, tore his ACL. He left when Strong came in. He transferred. He didn't want to play for Charlie Strong. And he came to Auburn, set out a year. Well, they moved – Darius James, I believe his name is. They moved him to left tackle. Uh, and moved Golson back to center, his normal position, and the offense looked so much better last weekend. And I know, again, it was against uh, a high school team. I get that. I understand. But I just saw the flow of the offensive line. Made the, I just saw the game pushed when they were on offense. I saw that line pushing a lot more. And our, that's just what I'm trying to look at is they're playing. They said that, that he was injured. Um, the center was, but I'm not buying it. I think everybody's every center's dinged up this far into the season, Jonathan. Everybody can use a break, but I think Malzahn said we're going to try something different at center, and this is what my sources say, really, before this even came out, that he was hurt, that they were trying something new up front, and when I saw the game, I was like, wow, he was right again. You know, this guy knows what he's talking about, and it looked a lot better. I know you probably didn't watch the game, but it 
it just looked a lot better. If the offensive line questions get answered, we know we're stacked at running back and fullback. We've got some receivers that are developing. The defense looks good. The special teams looks good. The quarterback gets worked out, right, Jonathan? Auburn could be in for a good year. But it all this is the biggest game of the year for Auburn coming up. Who do you like in this game and why? It's a road game. Auburn's first time away from Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, noon kickoff, which is good for the visiting team, in my opinion. Who do you like? Well, I've, uh, you know, looking at this game, I've gone uh, back and forth a little bit. But at the end of the day, I like Auburn. Uh, I think Auburn defensively is very good. Mississippi State's had their problems on offense. Uh, we saw um, that this is not the same team without Dak Prescott offensively. And I don't think their defense is as good as Auburn's. I expect Auburn to win this game a little more low scoring um, than in years past when both offenses were more at elite levels. But I would say somewhere around the, the ballpark of like a 21-14 uh, to 14 type win for the Tigers this weekend. Yeah, Ole Miss or Mississippi State opened up a point, one-and-a-half point favorite. It's now three, Auburn's favorite three. But the opponent, South Alabama, came in the Starkville and won 21-20. to 20. Um, I think that was the post-Prescott point spread. You know when you're a good football team and you lose a dynamic quarterback that's starting in the NFL and winning football games now, you're going to have a drop-off. Well, Vegas didn't catch that one. So South Alabama is a pretty good football team. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. They're they're a lot better than what we thought. Then they hosted South Carolina, got by that game by thirteen. That was a that was my lock of the year in week two, by the way, Mississippi State over them. And they went to LSU, lost twenty three to twenty, but they were down twenty to nothing. Twenty I think it was twenty three to nothing at one point in that game and LSU let off the gas. And then they went to UMass, which is strange, and won 47-35. to So the secondary is the big, big problem for Mississippi State, and uh, Auburn's going to be able to exploit that with some protection. Sean White's an accurate enough passer, Jonathan, at 68.5%. If he can get some time, he'll pick this secondary apart. And, again, Auburn's defense. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. It's a lot better this year than in years past, and there's no Prescott around so i'm gonna put mississippi state somewhere between arkansas state louisiana monroe and lsu that's how good they are somewhere in between there and if you look at those opponents sovereigns destroyed two of them and beat lsu at home by by uh, five points but i don't know i think the line's about right auburn's three-point favorite i think they'll cover i think it'll be close I think Quinn's on the phone. Quinn, Quinn thinks he's the host of this show, I think. He thinks he comes in when he wants to. I don't know what his problem is. We'll see what <laughs> Quinn's got to say. Quinn, Quinn, welcome to the show, man. Who do you like in the Auburn game? I think Auburn should win, and I feel fairly confident that they that they will win with how good the defense is. And then with the offense continually getting better, uh, I think they should win. Well, I do too. So that's a, that's a clean sweep right there. And uh, Quinn, stay on, and I'll bring you back home when we discuss the next game. Um, yeah, I just I think Vegas put it out there. Auburn's not a. You remember last year they went to how how well Sean White played on the road at Arkansas before his injury. Do you remember that game where? They were went in like six overtimes, I think. That oh, was, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I had the yeah. under in that game. Yeah, of course I remember it. Yeah, you lost, you lost that, didn't you? Uh, 
Uh, yeah, it was yeah like and like game. the fourth the overtime. Arkansas. Remember the Arkansas Ole Miss game? It was probably, God, 18 years ago, I think. I had the under in that one, and they went into like eight overtimes. and, and uh, Remember that game? Lost that one. But I was driving to the beach last year, and, and, and I usually watch. I don't miss Auburn games for nothing. Uh, but, again, it was – I had to drive to the beach, and I wasn't really pumped up about Auburn football at that point. So I was like, hell, I'll just listen to it on the radio. And what a game it was. And just from what I heard the announcers talking about the the evolution of Sean White, you know, coming on the road showing that kind of poise. Arkansas is a tough place to play. And uh, he did well there, so I don't think being on the road would be a problem for him. I do think the road could be a problem for John Franklin III. So I expect Auburn to let him into the – get him some experience. Don't you think, Jonathan, in these kind of games, at least some touches, because you're, if you're going to use him for Ole Miss, Georgia, and Bama, those are all road games, and you're going to have to see how he can do on the road. If the guy falls apart or something that's in Starkville, you may not use him, you know, anymore after that. So I look for him to get in early in this game. I look for Franklin to get in early as an end because you're, you're used to seeing him late in the game. Usually see him when it's a 50-point blowout or something. Let's see what he does with the game on the line. That's how you find out if he's going to be your future quarterback, right? You don't know until he can get on the field. We all thought Jeremy Johnson was the second coming until he got on the field and he started throwing to the other team. Right, yeah, I think you need to get him uh, some action on the road. But <laughs> I, I'm not – again, you know, Sean White's your quarterback. I, I – it bothers. It really is starting to bother me how much time is spent talking about a backup quarterback that was a backup at a JUCO that was a third stringer at Florida State who left because he wasn't a fourth stringer. <laughs> like it's, it's actually starting to annoy me. John Frank, if John Franklin was this holy uh, uh, guy, he wouldn't have been a three star coming out of high school. He wouldn't have left Florida State. He would have started at the JUCO and he'd be starting right now. So until John Franklin can prove that he's worthy of start at Auburn, I really don't care to talk about him anymore. That's the uniqueness of me is, like, I know this program and I know what quarterback fits this offense. And, and I'm sitting here telling everyone out there, if Auburn wants to use Sean White the rest of the year, they can. But they're going to be 7-5, and 6-6. Six and six. If they want to win, if they want to – if they want to take it to the house and have a chance. And, and I remember the movie Mile American, the coach said, he said, we're either going 0-10 or we're going 10-0. We're not going 6-4. and And that's how, that's how I feel as a fan and as someone in football. I don't care about the Blue Bonnet Bowl. I, I would rather not go, you know. But uh, Quinn, I mean, am I, am I missing something? I know Jonathan's tired of hearing about Franklin because he's mad he's not in Tallahassee right now. But... <laughs> But, but, but what do you think? Nah. I mean, I'm on to something. I'm on to something with Franklin in this team, I'm telling you. If I'm not, at the end of the season, I'll retire and let Quinn host the show. Well, I think the more and more the season goes on, Tarvin, I think the more and more what you're saying is gonna is getting proven wrong. I think they're really starting to click with Sean White. And I, I mean – I would I'd like to see Franklin come in in the red zone, and I think there's packages like that, but starting a whole yeah. entire game and playing a whole entire game, I think I think Sean 
should keep that spot the rest of the year. But yeah, yeah. I think hey, in the rest I agree. On... Okay. I agree, Quinn. No, no. What I'm saying is, is I think he should. They're going to use him more and more. I'm impressed with Sean White. Let me tell you that. And I, I don't dislike the guy, but you got to let John Franklin get in that game and play, especially like you said in the red zone, and, yeah. and get in there because John, Jonathan, the struggles in the red zone the other day. I don't know if you noticed they had success, but one time Sean White did the RPO. Ran out. He kept it and and barely made it in. Well, he tries that crap against Ole Miss. He's going to be out for the season. And I think John Franklin the third is exactly the recipe Auburn's trying to use in packages certain situations. They can't win it without him. That's all I'm going to say. Since Jonathan's tired of hearing about it, I'm just going to go on record as saying Auburn cannot beat any of those three teams that I described earlier on the road without. John Franklin the third playing a huge role in it. So are you happy, Jonathan, that we're going to move off of John Franklin the third? <laughs> yeah, actually I am. Well, I'm telling you, you just watching. And when I'm right, I can't wait. You guys are going to line up, and I'm going to give you a four-hour show to see. I'm just going to sit back and have a cold one while y'all tell me how great I am. Okay. I wouldn't mind seeing him and White in at the same time. Like, no, uh, what, no, what was, no. This isn't high school. No, that's that. That's not going to work, Quinn. That's Notre Dame football right there. You saw what, what where that goes. What? That's Notre Dame football, right, Jonathan? Uh, uh, yeah, it, it does seem that way. Notre no, Dame's not struggling offensively. I know, but 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 what we talk about on this show are things that that other people won't talk about. And like ESPN, they're not talking about that. First of all, they're not close enough to the program. Second of all, they're not smart enough to 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 talk about things like this. And that's the honest truth. I'm telling you, if you know football, what I'm saying, Quinn is is actually going to come to pass more than you think. It's not. I'm happy for Sean White, but anyway, we all have Auburn winning this game right now. We we've, we've got them. I'm trying to find the games I posted online right here on Facebook. Jonathan, how'd you like the picture of uh, of the Georgia Tennessee game with the gorilla in the background? Did you like that? No, I'm I'm actually sick of the Harambe jokes. You didn't like that, man. You're just a you're just a better <laughs> person when Florida State sucks. I mean, you are. I appreciate you that. You just. <laughs> oh come on, come on now! I mean, just bitter, just a bitter. No, well, just. you know, I, I I made my comments about Tennessee and, and and how I think this is their year of just unholy luck, if you will. Um, as everybody else has been putting it, all the bad luck Tennessee's had over the past five years, they're finally getting paid back for everything that went wrong. The 13 men on the field against mm-hmm. LSU, the Florida just complete <laughs> uh, meltdowns, uh, the, the Alabama meltdowns, all that bad luck is finally coming their way. And I'm, I'm, I'm just happy for Tennessee to actually do something. But but, but I love John Scott Johnson's comments about I've never seen a backup quarterback that sucks get any attention anywhere. I'm tired of you. <laughs> so I love that, though, by the way. That, that's prideful. <laughs> Um, it's true. Let's move to. Uh, I know you're you are right, but I swear to you, uh, the people I'm talking to and know is is is, is cl- 
closer than you think, guys. That's why I'm bringing it up. I'm not just sitting here thinking this up. There's some higher-ups that feed me information, and I'll never mention a name, never, ever one time mention the name of somebody. But let's move on to another game, talking about to the Sutton Bowl, NC State and Notre Dame, Jonathan. Will, will the hurricane have any impact on this game whatsoever? First of all. Uh, well, uh, obviously, I'm tracking the storm a lot closer than uh, than I think you are. From the main point, it seems like you're going to be spared from this. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm looking at some 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 nasty weather uh, very shortly. Uh, so I think it could affect the game field field conditions, obviously, because we're going to see a lot of games from Florida State, Miami all the way up to Virginia Tech, North Carolina, that this week could be affected because of the, the wind that's going to be factored in and the rain that's going to affect the field conditions. I, I think for Notre Dame, this is going to be one of the worst offensive performances they're going to have because you're going to struggle to throw the ball through the air if that wind's kicking at 30 to 40 miles per hour. Quinn, I think, I think um, the point spread on this game should tell you a lot. If you look at the point spreads and things like that, North Carolina State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, and Notre Dame gets the benefit of the doubt with point spreads because of how much money people bet on Notre Dame. So when Notre Dame's an underdog, you better pay attention to that because usually they lose. And uh, they've been favored every game this year. They were favored three-and-a-half against Texas, lost. Favored seven and a half against Michigan State, lost. Favored twenty-one and a half against Syracuse or against Duke and lost. So this is the first game of the year that Notre Dame's been an underdog. Quinn, does, does that concern you a little bit? With a two and three record, you were favored in five games, and now you're finally an underdog. What does that tell you? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm more concerned as I already was. <laughs> It's a tough game. It's it's in North Carolina State. The weather conditions aren't gonna be good, but uh, they also they played in a game against Clemson where the weather conditions weren't good, and so I, a lot of the players in Kaiser is used to that. So I I think uh, it it'll be more low scoring, but I also think it helps mm-hmm. our defense. So. I mean, they very well could lose the game, but they well, they very well, and to me, I think they should win the game. Here's, here's the problem. NC State's given up. They gave up 14 points to William & Mary. They gave up 33 points to East Carolina. They gave up 22 points to Old Dominion and 16 to Wake Forest, Jonathan. That's a, if you're having trouble with those teams and weather, just take weather out of the picture for a moment. And I know we can't, but let's just pretend that it's going to be a sunny day. Notre Dame shouldn't have any trouble scoring on NC State. NC State's got some offense, which is very concerning. They're better probably than Syracuse. Um, they put 33 on Notre Dame. But I guess my concern is both defenses are bad, um, but North Carolina State's is bad as well, especially. But they're at home, and now you factor in the rain. It could be a sloppy game, which would favor NC State. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, North Carolina State's defense has left a little bit to desire. I mean, Wake Forest didn't really put up points until garbage time. 
I want to say Old Dominion uh, was the same way. They did open the gate struggling with William and Mary, but we saw a lot of teams struggle in week one. So I'm not going to give anybody the kiss of death right now for that. Um, obviously, the East Carolina game is somewhat concerning, uh, but it's that game's weird to begin with. Like, if you know that rivalry, you, you saw that game with, oh, I'm not surprised. Like, that, that's just how East Carolina is, like, 6-1 and one in their last seven Ooh. games against ACC teams, and they're always playing North Carolina, North Carolina State, and Virginia Tech. It's weird. They're weird. Um, but I think the weather uh, obviously gives North Carolina State an advantage defensively just from the standpoint of Notre Dame's offense won't be able to do everything it usually does. Uh, both offenses I expect to be one-dimensional. So it's going to be whoever really has a better front seven is who's going to win this game. Yeah, and I think at home, I think NC State does. I mean, I, I think they have the better front seven, uh, Quinn, at home than I think Notre Dame. I don't – I just think the confidence – you may be on to something, Quinn, about the second-half adjustments last week. I went back and studied what you said. Yes, they did make adjustments, but this is on the road against a team that's better than Syracuse. And I just don't know where this team's head is right now, or Notre Dame's head is. You're firing coaches. You're you're two and three. Can Brian Kelly get this team ready to play on the road right now? From what I've heard from the players and – this week, and from what Coach Kelly has said, it sounds like they are, and like it's just about carrying momentum from what they did last week. And I actually think last week was tougher for Coach Kelly wise after firing Van Gorder and rallying the players and getting them to make it fun again. I think it was harder last week than it is this week, and I think they're just trying to carry that momentum. It, it seems the players are in a good uh, space, and it seems Coach Kelly is in good in a good space yeah. too. So I would say their mentality is good. Well, let's flip it over to Jonathan. Jonathan, you think if John Franklin was at NC State, they'd have a better chance? I'm not joking. <laughs> Jonathan, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick Notre Dame. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick NC State to win this game. I'm just gonna go ahead and throw it out there. Um, I like NC State to win a close one in this game, and I don't know where a two and four Notre Dame team goes, Jonathan. From here, I just they're not gonna make a bowl game. I just. I don't know how many more they're going to win. So, what do you think about this? Who's going to win? And we'll move on to Quinn and get his projection, which I think I know. Well, it's a must-win for Notre Dame, and that that that's what speaks a lot to me here. Um, and and like you said, if they lose this game, they're probably not going to go bowling. And I, I think that's uh, what, what factors into this more than anything for North Carolina State. It'd be a big win for the program. But for some, North Carolina State just don't win. Nobody really gets it uh, because they're in a good state for talent. They just haven't been able to put everything together. It's a hostile environment, but I imagine that might be tempered a little bit with this weather. How many fans are actually going to show up for the game? I'm going to take Notre Dame to win because I think they're more desperate. And, but I'm telling you right now, don't expect a lot of points in this game. Originally, everybody says points, points, points. I don't, I don't think we're going to see a lot of points. I think Notre Dame ekes out a uh, 20 to 12, just a really ugly game. Yeah, and think about this. After NC State plays Notre Dame, they got to go on the road and play Clemson and Louisville back-to-back. 
So it's kind of a must win for NC State if you start talking about bowl games and things because then, the, then they get a Boston College game and then Florida State. Um, it's going to be tough for them to make a bowl game if they lose to Notre Dame, Jonathan. So I think it's kind of a must win for NC State from that perspective too. I mean, they, they could look at it the same way because it doesn't get any easier to schedule. No, no, it doesn't. There, there's no doubt about that. The schedule does them really no favors. Uh, but I mean, if you you look at you look at North Carolina State, these are the kind of games, and you know that they're they're not used to winning. And I think that's what speaks more to me than anything else is that you know not they're favored finally over a team that most people would say, well, they probably shouldn't be. Uh, and that that's what spooks me a little bit about this is, you know, obviously the line moved big. Notre Dame opened as a favorite. Now North Carolina State's laying multiple points. And so that, that speaks a lot. That's a lot of early line movement. I don't know how much I really trust that as much as I trust Saturday movement. We'll, we'll see what happens here. It, it, it's it's just it's going to be an ugly game, guys. It's going to be a grinder. If you're a well, Notre Dame fan, get, get your heart pills ready. Yeah. I think the, the line moved because of what we said earlier. The line moved because of weather. And um, that's the, the big movement. People started thinking, okay, uh, favorite NC State. But Saturday, if all of a sudden you come in and see Notre Dame a two-point favorite, you'd probably better jump on Notre Dame because somebody has something that they're not sharing with us, which is rude. And they're they're trying to make out, you know, get some money. <laughs> it's rude. I love that. It's very rude. We don't share information like that. But uh, it looks like Notre Dame Quinn or NC State at Clemson, Louisville, Florida State at Syracuse, Miami, and at UNC. Hell, there's only one game that I would say for sure they would probably win at home, and that's Boston College. So they desperately need this win against Notre Dame. But who are you picking, Quinn? I think uh, I think Notre Dame pulls it out. In a, you, in a really you've never close. you've never picked against no. Notre Dame, by the way. You've never one time picked against Notre Dame ever. Just so you know, uh, I'm keeping up. I, I usually don't pick against Auburn or Notre Dame. It, I, usually, I'll still pick them, even if I'm not very confident that they'll win. I'll still pick them. Really? Even if I really? even if I think even if I think they may lose, yeah, they just don't show it well, usually. Uh, the most well, when you're time people I wasn't very, the most recent time yeah, that I saw that I wasn't confident in that uh, I didn't pick to win was when Auburn played LSU a couple weeks ago. And that was really the only time I remember that I honestly, I thought they wouldn't win, and then I didn't, and then I picked against them. Well, that was like the first time in a well, long time. Well, here's the deal: people don't listen to you if you pick the same team just because you're a fan. Just so you know. So, um, think about that. You know, some people come on this show and say I'm picking Alabama because they're Alabama. Roll Tide, no, that's not enough. If they're 40-point underdog, they're going to lose. So, right, Jonathan, you can't pick with your heart. you got to pick with your brain right, when it comes to this. Yeah, that's always something that I've always done. I mean, I, I usually have a rule with my teams that I try not, you know. Stay away from them. 
Yeah, I'll just say it. Unless I'm supremely confident, like Florida State USF, I was supremely confident Florida State was going to win that game, and they were they were going to come out and make a statement. But for for most games. I look at it and I'm like, you know what, it's better off just to stay away. That way if they win, yay. If they lose, it sucks, but I'm not it's not a double whammy. Yeah, so well, here's I wasn't the, here's talking the thing about betting. No, I'm talking about on this show, just put an asterisk besides Quinn pick Quinn's picks when he picks Auburn and Notre Dame. Just don't listen to him. And just just listen to everybody else he picks because he is pretty good, but he sucks when he when he picks Notre Dame every game and they lose, and Auburn every game and they lose, you got to you got to pick who you think. You got to take the bias out of it. That's why I don't bet on Auburn. That's why I won't because I don't want to put money against my own team. You know, I don't I don't like that, and I don't like betting on them because then I jinx them. So I kind of stay away from anything to do with Auburn for the most part, unless I am a hundred percent confident that that they're going to win. But let's move on to a big game. Uh, bounce back game, Stanford, Washington State. Washington State coming in high off a win at Oregon, uh, and then or no, they were at home against Oregon. Now they're they're traveling to Stanford, Jonathan. I really don't like Washington State's matchup here with Stanford. After losing, I think Stanford challenged himself in practice. Their manhood really got taken away from them on the road at Washington. It's great when you have Washington State to bounce back in when you get physically beat up. So I like Stanford pretty big in this game against Washington State. I don't think Stanford's good. I don't think Washington State's good. But I think Stanford at home, they're pissed off right now. So I always like to take the team that's angry. Yeah, I mean, this game, I think, for Stanford really hinges uh, on the health of their top two corners. If neither one of them can go – then Washington State's going to be able to move the ball through the air, just like Washington was able to. Um, so we're, we obviously keep track of that, see, see if they're going to play or not. If they can't play, you know, like Stanford's coming in angry. And I usually want to give a team that's angry an advantage, especially against a team like Washington State, where this could be a hangover game for them, whether they want to admit that or not. Um, but I, 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 I'm going to lean Stanford here. I think they're just better talent-wise and they're more physical I, I I just have a feeling they're going to come out and drop 40 points from Washington State and roll this. Yeah. And be careful out there because we could be thinking the same way as the public right now. Stanford is not a good football team. I just want to put that out there to everybody listening. They're not a good team. And if you take away their corners and you, you put Washington State's air raid up there, you could have some problems. Quinn, I think Stanford wins, but both of these teams are not very good, and it's a matchup problem. Yeah, I, I I think Stanford beats them pretty bad. Okay. All right, that's a Pac-12 showdown. I know Jason hates me to say that, that his, his team, that the team that beat his team bad, about to get blown out. So Miami-Florida State. Uh, Florida State is an underdog in this game. And I think it's the first time Florida State's been an underdog all season. No, they were an underdog to Louisville, Louisville, I think. Yeah, they were underdog to Louisville. Yeah, this game, could the hurricane impact this game? Uh, For sure. I mean, especially uh, against (laughs) Miami. Um, Miami doesn't run the football a lot. They're relying on speed at the receivers and Brad Kaya. 
So for you know, which helps out Florida State's defense because Florida State's secondary is trash. It is garbage. It, it it is worse than I think any other secondary I've seen this year. And that's 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 a hat tip to you, Oregon. I think Oregon's secondary is better than Florida State's. Wow, so I like it coming straight from the Florida State homer's mouth. You know why are we wasting time talking about a a team as sucky as Florida State for? Man, why are we doing that? Good question. I'm joking. I'm joking. I like Florida State in this game to win. Um, I don't think Jimbo's lost his team. But I think you know they're they're trying to grow up in the secondary, like Jonathan said. They're they're trash right now. But again, your five star trash out there that can easily switch. They can flip a switch in one game, and all of a sudden you're like, where's this defense been? And and here's the deal, Quinn. Florida State owns the state of Florida until somebody from Florida beats them, right? So, to me, Florida State's still the champions of Florida, and I don't think Miami, that point spread's not not keeping me away from taking Florida State in this game. I feel pretty confident about the Knowles in this one. Well, I think I've gone back and forth on this, but uh, I think Miami's going to win. I, I just don't like where Florida State's at defensively, and uh, and I, and I think uh, in Miami recently, as uh, the past few years offensively, has done pretty good against Florida State when Florida State had some pretty good defenses. So I would, so I think uh, Miami is just going to be able to do enough to <coughs> to win the game. I think it's going to be like a three point game, but I think Miami wins. I just don't think they have the the horses to to beat Florida State. Yeah, they were good enough to beat uh, Georgia Tech, Jonathan. They were good enough to be undefeated so far, but who did they played? I mean, this is Mark Rick's first year. But remember, this is still Miami, okay? This is we're not talking about the hurricanes of the eighties. We're talking about in the nineties, we're talking about Miami today. I'm picking Florida State, Jonathan, I don't think I got a pick from you. Who's gonna win this game? Well, with Miami's freshman linebackers, a uh, defensive line that's been weakened and a team that has taken the Baylor School of Scheduling and played a bunch of nobodies and, hey, look, we're undefeated at number 10. I, Miami's going to come into this game kind of high. They, they think we're favored, we're ranked higher. Yeah, good luck with that. Florida State's offense is, is actually pretty damn good, guys. It's really good. They, I, I'm going to take Florida State to win this game. It's going to be a tight game. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I, I think Dalvin and uh, Patrick were combined for over 200 yards rushing, and that's going to be the difference. It's going to be the ground game. And Florida State's ground game is still pretty damn good. And I don't. I think Florida State wins this game by a couple scores. I don't think it's close. I don't think it's one of those we're going to have to watch the fourth quarter to really see who's dominating it. I think Florida State's defense rises to the occasion. Yeah, they've lost a, a, some games they shouldn't. But, again, this is some pride now. This is, They're playing for a purpose now. It's not just it's not just for a national championship. But at least at the end of the year, if you can say, hey, we're the champions of Florida, at least that's saying something. And they may not win the ACC this year. They may not make a playoff. But I guarantee you they're going to be playing for some pride. So Florida State in this game um, – Pretty easy, I think. 
Miami's going to get exposed. You're right. They're, they're Baylor's school of thought here of scheduling. Let's play some high school teams. Let's play one lower-tier lower, lower tier ACC team. Let's get up in those polls. And I think it's the Mark Rick factor, too. People, the pollsters are just trying to create a story out of it. And I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. I'm not, I'm not that desperate right now. Uh, Oregon and Washington in the Pac-12. Big game for Oregon. Must-win game for Oregon. I just – I don't know. Washington, I know Jason says they've got history on their side. The Oregon Ducks do. They've won, like, what, 15 in a row or whatever. It's been forever since Washington has won in Eugene. But this is not the same Oregon team, Jonathan. This Washington team playing with a lot of confidence. I don't think that was a fluke the other night. And I think, you know, that was the stage for them to prove it. And I think in their minds, uh, this Saturday night going to Eugene, Oregon, even though Oregon's down, I think these guys are going to play us against the world mentality again. At Oregon, being favored, I still think this team has a chip on their shoulder. I think they, they beat Oregon convincingly, especially with the quarterback issues Oregon's having right now. They don't know who they're going to start. They're, they're changing starters. Not a good time to change starting quarterbacks when Washington's coming into town. Yeah, I mean, this true freshman quarterback is supposed to be good. That's fine and dandy. Washington's defense is good. <laughs> I think that's, that's a, there's a known quantity there. Uh, I think a lot of 12 years of frustration is going to be taken out in Oregon. I got blowout alert on this one. You can probably turn this one off after halftime. It, it, it's going to be ugly. Washington rolls the victory, drops 50-plus points, covers the spread about four times. This is going to be a lot of blowouts, folks. It really is. Quinn, any chance Oregon being at home with a different color uniform, could that have any impact on the game? I don't know. No no chance, especially with those ugly uniforms. No chance. Washington has a better coach, better players, better offense, better defense. Uh they're they're gonna they're Coaches. gonna blow them out. It's gonna be twenty one zero at the end of the first, and you can turn it off after that. It's gonna be fifty two to seven. It's gonna be a massacre. Yeah, Jonathan, I muted you for a second. Could check your phone or something. Jonathan sounds like he's taking a shower or something. I don't know what he's doing, but uh, he likes Washington big. And, uh, and I think the line's at eight because it's still Oregon, that main brand, Oregon at home. And I think some people will take value thinking that Oregon's going to bounce back. But I think this is the game, and I, it should have been a long time ago, this is the game that, that people finally start looking for Mike Helfrich's replacement. Jonathan, and I'm going to come to you on this. Or he's going to call back in. Uh, Quinn, I think this is where they, they go to Mike Helfrich and say, look, you're not going to be able. Let me go to Jonathan first since I, I've already said it. Jonathan, I think this is a game where they, they're going to replace Mike Helfrich or start having conversations about it. I, I can't believe they haven't already. Maybe they have. But if they get embarrassed at home, even if it's Washington, if they get embarrassed again, I think Mike Helfrich gets a pink slip at the end of the season. Or yeah, before, Oregon. Yeah, Oregon hasn't fired a coach since 1976, and I think if they lose this game as badly as I, I, all three of us really think it's going to be, I don't know if he gets out of the locker room um, with his job. <laughs> to be completely honest, uh, I, I think Oregon's going to fire a coach for the first time since '76. They're going to join LSU and in, uh, in this search. 
and it's going to be interesting to see who they can lure uh, up there with everything that's going on uh, on the field. Less miles, you know. You know what? You you want to wait for a road game, don't you? If you're Oregon and leave the guy at the airport, I mean, wouldn't you rather do that? I mean, I mean, if you're if you're gonna do that, you better not like him. I mean, Lane Kiffin was fired the way he was because USC was like, okay, we just don't like you. All right, we don't like you anymore. Um, when it happened to uh, Joe Philbin with the Dolphins last year, and they were like, okay, well, we're not even going to bring you back from London. Find your own flight back from London. You know, he's like, yeah, we're, we're done with you. We, we just don't. I don't know if it's a thing where it's like they don't like Helfrick. I think they actually like him as a person. Or It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, we, we just, you know, this, it's not you, it's me, baby. We're, we're, we, we still love you, but, you know, um, yeah, pack your boxes and get out of my house. Hey, could Gus Malzahn be fired and take John Franklin to Oregon with him and win a Heisman Trophy in the national championship next year, John? <laughs> if Gus Malzahn gets fired, I'm going to laugh so, so hard. I would I, hey, I would laugh good. so hard. Why would you oh, laugh at Gus Malzahn getting fired? Why would that be Because funny? it's... It'd be hysterical to me because all these Auburn fans are starting to turn around. They're like, no, don't fire Gus. And the minute they fire him, the fan base is going to be so torn over whether they wanted him fired or not that they're uh, uh, just like Purdue, a sinkhole might open in the middle of Jordan Air. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you, the, those Auburn fans that always talk about firing coaches, those are idiots, most of them are. They don't even know football. And uh, I'm for yeah. keeping Gus Malzahn. And I've always, have you ever heard me say firing? Ever? Has that ever come out of my mouth? No. 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 Maybe. It's not. But but I've wanted to fire him sometimes, yes. But yeah. is he a coach that deserves to be fired right now? Not yet. But anyway, um, I think Helfrich gets fired. And I think you have to start looking if you're Oregon – it's, there's starting to be some people's names popping up. You don't want to be stuck with Helfrich or some. Uh, maybe maybe they'll go after coaches like they do quarterbacks go to the FCS, right? That's where they got Chip Kelly and Helfrich from. So that's why their love affair with FCS quarterbacks is that's where they find their coaches, Jonathan. Well, I mean, if they're going to go ahead and hire North Dakota State's coach, I don't know if that's a bad move. No. Uh, it's not, but it's it's big boy football now. But I hate for Jason because he's a loyal listener to this show. We've been saying that for years now. Even when Oregon was good with Helfrich, we're like, eh, it's still not the same, guys. And here's another could get fired in the locker room game: Oklahoma, Texas coming up, the Red River rivalry shootout. Say that six times. Um, I don't, I don't know. I just. Texas right now, they, they play Oklahoma. It's hard to predict this game because of the rival, and it, you throw you have to factor that in it. I know Oklahoma's a 10-point favorite, Jonathan, but that's tough. That's tough. I don't believe Oklahoma's that great. I don't believe Texas is that great, but I believe Texas has a lot of talent field that will play, just like I said, Florida State will play Miami. They'll play this game like it's a, a national championship game. Jonathan, this line scares me. But if Charlie Strong gets embarrassed, I think he gets fired this weekend. What do you think? Okay, Oklahoma's going to smash Texas. 
they're going to smash them. No, I'm kidding. This is going to be a high-scoring, fun game. If we saw anything uh, from last week, expect the same show we saw from Oklahoma TCU this week. Um, I, I really think Oklahoma's going to win this game. I think it's uh, just going to be a little more uh, poised with a more veteran team. Uh, you know, Charlie's strong. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie's strong. Let me just make this terrible. pitch now. Charlie, come to Florida State. We need a defensive coordinator. You're a very good defensive coach. You have a pipeline to all these Florida schools for recruiting. Come to Tallahassee. Come coach our defense, and you'll be loved. People will love you. You'll be embraced by the public. As long as you don't come in and do what Charles Kelly did and lie to us, like they, like he did in 2015, just just come home, come to Florida State and come be loved and come win. Yeah. Now, who was that coach for Notre Dame that lied about where he graduated college from and he got fired before he even got started? Who was that? Wasn't that Paul Johnson? It was Paul yeah, Johnson. That's coach of Georgia Tech. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So here's the deal. Charlie Strong should never have been hired at Texas. Um, he's not a good head coach. He's clueless on the sidelines. He doesn't know what he's doing. He used to be good at coaching defense, but now he doesn't know what that is. Uh, now they, they're running a run-and-shoot run team over here. and you know, they got a pretty good offense. They've got talent. But, Quinn, I'm going to say Charlie Strong gets fired after this weekend for the big blowout. Uh, I, I, I think it's a close game. I see Oklahoma winning, but I, I see it being a close game, and I, I – and I don't think he'll get fired after the game, but I, I think his seat will get even hotter. Oh, it's flaming right now. The devil's seat's hot. Charlie Strong's right there with him, I promise you. Because <laughs> here's the deal. There's pay, there's payback on the mind of Oklahoma right now from last year. Jonathan, if, if had Oklahoma won that game, but they still made the playoff, that almost should have cost them a playoff. That should have showed us how bad Oklahoma really sucked besides Clemson having to show us. But if Oklahoma loses this game, I wonder if Bob Stoopsie gets a little hot. Oh, man, if they, if they lose this game, uh, I mean, his seat will be hot, hot, hot. It, it'll be bad. Uh, that The last thing that Bob Stoops needs in his life is another loss to Texas when he's a double-digit favorite. Uh, you know, it, it'll – Oh man, that ooh, you know that'd be a fun show though. I bet you that'd be a good reality show. Bob Stoops, will he survive? We're gonna we're gonna find out. We're gonna find out. Next game, we're gonna go a little faster. Um, we're gonna cut a couple of them. Texas A&M and Tennessee, uh, big game coming up. Texas A&M's a seven-point favorite at home. First time Tennessee's been an underdog all season, which is kind of I think a, a refreshment. If you're Tennessee, you're finally in a game. You're five and zero. You're playing a team you're supposed to lose to. Jonathan, is that going to be enough to get Tennessee to play in the first half? Because I think if they get down big in this game, they're probably not going to come back on the road. I look for Tennessee to play good early. So, so what do you what are you seeing in this game? I think everybody's assuming Tennessee's just going to fold, but I'd be careful about that. I think Tennessee's a dangerous team right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously Tennessee has to show up out the get. Uh, if they don't come out this game looking good, it could go south really quickly. Uh, but Texas A&M's offense actually really hasn't been great. It's been good. 
But this isn't the A&M offense of the years prior where you're like, okay, this this isn't fun. This is now dangerous. Um, so, you know, Tennessee's defense should be able to keep Texas A&M in check for the most part. Um, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to keep picking Tennessee until they lose. That, that's how this is going to go. If Texas A&M blows out Tennessee, I'll feel comfortable picking it against Tennessee at some later point in the year if I need to. Uh, but until then, ride the team that won't die. They won't die. Yep, and I've, I've had that feeling before. And, and I'm going to tell you, there's a difference playing with a – I think now they come in with the us-against-the-world mentality. They're confident bunch. They're, they've got a lot of people missing. An offensive line, if it plays better, I think Tennessee's got a good shot to pull the upset in College Station, which sets up could be a, an undefeated matchup next week with Alabama and Tennessee. It just depends on how everything goes. Quinn, I'm going to pick Tennessee in a close upset because I, I think they're going to play in the first half. They're going to play at least three quarters instead of one or two. I think I don't know if, how good Texas A&M is really but I think Tennessee is going to put it together finally for a game, and they're going to get a win on the road. So who do you like? I have I have A&M winning by a touchdown. I, You're probably right. I just, You're probably Yeah. I, I just think Tennessee is going to get off the slow start again, and I think, it, I think it's going to cost them. I'm on that Tennessee first half money line this, this weekend. I think they go into halftime with the lead, but I would rather see them lose to A&M and beat Bama the next week because here's the deal. All they really need to do is worry about splitting. If they split these two games, they're going to the SEC championship because the remaining schedule, Jonathan, is laughable when you look at Tennessee. All their games are the first the first seven. After that, it, it's smooth sailing to Atlanta. So uh, I think they're going to win at least one of those games, if not both. But I'm going to pick – I'm like Jonathan. I'm not picking against a team that has done what they've done this season until they show me they can't do it anymore. So let's move on to the biggest game – or the second biggest game of the weekend to me because this this really – Ed Orgeron thinks he's uh, – I posted that picture of the water boy that – or what's that guy's name, Coach uh, – what's his name, Jonathan, in the movie Water Boy, that defensive coach, Coach Fran? Uh- all uh, I remember yeah, is the Cajun guy. Yeah. <laughs> he sounds just like Ed Orgeron. So that's what Ed Orgeron <laughs> looked like the other night. Running up the score on a bad Missouri team. Let's go ahead and say it. Missouri sucks. They're yeah. terrible. Now they now they play a team that sucks even worse, Florida. And uh this game is in the swamp, but I don't I don't really care, Jonathan, where this game's being played because Florida's offense is going to go wherever that game's being played, and it's not going to matter. I think LSU beats Florida because Florida just can't score points, and I think Fournette has a big game. So I'm going to go with LSU in this one. Well, I would have said Fournette's going to have a big game, but Fournette's not. Uh, doesn't sound like he's going to play now. Um, saw a report earlier he hasn't even Ooh. practiced yet this week. Um, uh, I think but- he's going to play. I th- I, think well, I know I know what they're saying, but I just think they're not going to let him not. He could have played last week if they'd have wanted to. Well, I mean, I'm looking at it going, does it matter? I mean, we saw what their offense no. did last week. Um, 
and their backup running back is about as good as you know a bunch, a lot of starters across the nation. Um, I, I I like LSU um, to win this game. I think they're going to win twenty to to six. I really like the Tigers, and the Gators suck. They're always going to suck. They they really suck, and they suck. <laughs> Quinn, do you think the Gators suck? Yeah, and. <laughs> And I think LSU is going to win my double digits. What Jonathan said score-wise sound, sounded about right. Yeah. And Fournette, Fournette not playing, Jonathan's right. Does it really matter? Because it's a, it's a next man up. It's another five-star probably that's coming into that game. And he's just – I mean, he's not better than Fournette, but it doesn't miss a beat. This team's playing right now with a – they just look a lot better with less miles gone, which shows you I'm glad they fired less miles a week but after they played or the day after they played us instead of the week before. Um, glad to see that. Thank you, LSU, for doing that. You could you could help me out a lot. So so thanks again. LSU big in this game. Uh Florida's what happens to them after this, Jonathan? They where do they go? They don't play anybody tough besides Georgia, but in Florida State. So right now you're looking at Florida, even winning nine games, they could still suck. Well, this is uh, just like 2012 Florida. A lot of people um, thought 2012 Florida was a good team because they won double-digit games. And if you look back at that season, you're like, well, how did they win this game? How did they win that game? How did, you know, like the LSU game that year, they won 14-6, to and everybody walks away going, how? You know, they beat Florida State, and it's like, well, congratulations. I mean, you know, you, you put up 37 points. I don't know if Florida State has still shown up to that game. You know, and then Louisville just kind of just ran all over them in the Sugar Bowl. So I think Florida's still not run. A lot of people blame Muschamp recruiting. It's still Muschamp recruits. But I, I think you say that, and then when Muschamp's defensive recruits leave, you've got to be terrified because he recruited defense really good. McIlwain has not recruited defense really good, or else we'd see some of his guys playing. That's a great point because Muschamp left the cupboard full on the defensive side, and and McElwain's supposed to be this offensive genius with his well his quarterback is suspended for steroid usage. That's a good way to start the season, McElwain last year, and 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 how they won the games, how they made it to the SEC championship blows my mind. They're beating uh, FCS schools six to three coming back at the very end, and this year they look. They suck again. I'm sorry, guys. If you're a Florida fan listening to this and and you think that your team's good, you're stupid. I mean, you're you're just stupid. I'll call you that on air. If you if you think Florida's a good football team right now, I've watched them. Their defense is starting to give up because they're tired. They're they're giving out. And you're right. When they when Muschamp's people leave, what are they going to do? And and that's a good question. We're going to find out not too not too long from now. But the game of the week, really, to me, is the Arkansas-Alabama game. Vegas is giving Bama a lot of love right now on the road. Arkansas did beat TCU, but I question how good TCU is. A&M got the floor with Arkansas. Jonathan, uh, I don't know if Arkansas is good enough to beat Alabama right now, even though it's in Arkansas. They just don't match up very well. I don't think Arkansas is a good football team, and I just don't think they beat Alabama. I think Alabama's going to lose the next week, as we'll talk about next week. But Arkansas doesn't have what it takes to beat an Alabama. 
They don't have a dynamic quarterback. Uh, I, I like Austin Allen, but I'm with you. I don't think he can beat Bama. Um, let me say this. I like Arkansas plus two touchdowns. Um, Alabama tends to struggle out in Fayetteville, and people are like, oh, look what they did to Kentucky, and look what they did to this team. And it's like, yeah, but they have pro- Alabama has issues, especially on the offensive line. They have problems. So I think Arkansas can keep this a close game. I want Arkansas to win because I'm, I, I'm part of Team Chaos, and everybody needs to lose. Everybody needs to win. Nobody wins. It's just more fun when we have 2007 because my team's out of it, so what do I care? Um, but uh, I think Alabama's going to win this game, but it's going to be a real tight, close game, kind of like the last time they were in Arkansas. They won 14-13. Yeah, missed extra point. Cost them the game. Quinn, who do you like in this game? I like Bama. I think Bama's too much, but I think Arkansas covers the spread. If Arkansas, they're going to win the game or they're going to get blown out. It's not, I don't think they cover. So, I think I think Alabama minus 14. If you, if you think Alabama's going to win, I say take the 14 uh, or give the 14 up because I just don't – I don't know. I, I could be wrong, but I, I'll be pulling for Arkansas. You know that because I, I like chaos too. So, it would be sweet to see a bunch of chaos this weekend. But you never know. But Alabama just – Jonathan's right. The, the offensive line issues. They could show up on the road. They haven't really – they played Ole Miss and should have lost that game, to be honest with you. Alabama should have lost. They came back and, and did it. But Arkansas's defense, Jonathan, what what do they have to do to stay in the game? Well, their defensive line has to beat Alabama's offensive line. I, that, that's how I look at this. Their front four is going to have to dominate um, uh, the uh, Alabama side. And if they can get in the backfield and they can wreak havoc, that, that's going to be huge. You have, obviously have to put a spine on Jalen Hurts. There's no doubt about that. And you have to pay a lot of attention to Calvin Ridley because he's insanely talented. Don't forget about O.J. Howard. Everybody talks about how good O.J. Yeah. Howard is, but the only time O.J. Howard has a game is when teams completely forget about him. Don't forget about him. Put a safety on him. Let you know. Let them get after him. Um, but I, I think – to, to combat this, you're going to need a lot of zone covers with safeties keeping their checks on Howard and Ridley. Um, and I think your front four is just going to have to get you know mean and nasty against that five. You're going to have to win the battle in the trenches. And they can. Arkansas is a physical team, especially at home. They play very well at home. So we'll be interested to see what happens in this. But before we move on to the NFL, Jonathan, did you hear Jimbo Fisher's dumb interview this week after he lost to – who they lose to again? Uh, North Carolina. He blamed Auburn yeah. for it. Did you uh, see that? I mean, could you make heads or tails out of what he was talking about, or why he even brought it up? So let let me uh, let me jump into this. Um, God, I, I really please do. This is one of the things I wanted to avoid. So he, all right, so Jimbo Fisher has this thing where he hates. I mean, he hates teams that run RPO offense. Because, you know, it's like Saban. Saban had this same crusade not too long ago. I'm pretty sure you all remember that. So Jimbo, as a Saban disciple, has the same thoughts. Um, You know, obviously we saw it in the Louisville game. We saw it in Clemson last year. We saw it against Auburn. (laughs) These are offenses, uh, Ole Miss this year, these are offenses that Florida State tends to struggle against. 
If those hurry, especially hurry up teams, tempo tends to give us issues. I mean, it gives a lot of people issues. Definitely gives our team issue, but RPO definitely gives our team issue. And that's what happens when you have weak linebackers who who don't and, and defensive linemen, people who don't stay in their gaps and do do their assignment. Um, you know, so players, right? Yeah, I mean, Jimbo's comments they irk me a little bit. Because he's got so many other things to be talking about. Now, let me say this. Auburn media just needs to go ahead and shut up. I, you, I know they're going to get after this, and they haven't getting after us. Just, just, just shut up. Leave, leave it alone. Just leave it. You shouldn't have even addressed it. They shouldn't have. The problem became, this became an issue when they addressed it, because nobody really cared. And this mainly stems from the point where people are like Jimbo. We have a mobile quarterback. Do you think we can do some RPO stuff? And he decides to talk about how much he doesn't like the RPO instead of just saying, no, I, you know, I'm thinking, you know, and this is where Jimbo's whole, um, you know, I'm trying to get guys ready for the NFL. And they don't run that in the NFL. So we're, we're going to keep trying to run a pro-style offense because I want my guys to go to the pros. Because apparently the NFL is paying Jimbo's salary and not Florida State. I, I don't know if you guys heard about that, but apparently that's what's going remember, on. Because remember, only about getting... you, you remember – you remember you questioned why he didn't run the quarterback enough? Remember that? You 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 mentioned mm-hmm. that before last game, before the North mm-hmm. Carolina game, and then he, he comes out and says this, which kind of really hit home when you when you talked about it, and then when he said that, it's like, oh, my God, he's killing his own team because of stubborn stupidity. And that, that's exactly what it is. That's one of the reasons why I, I've been saying – if you know Jimbo leaves, hey, I already have a target in mind of of what of which coach I want. People are like, oh, well, you want Herman? No, no, I really don't care for Herman. And it's not that I don't respect him; it's that I'm not willing to pay more than eight million he's getting at Houston. Okay, my target is Willie Taggart at USF, and people are like, well, you, why would you want Willie Taggart at USF? What has he done? A, he turned around a USF program that I did not think was salvageable. At least not in a short amount of time. I, I looked at Willie Taggart and said, I, I'd be surprised if he makes it through last year. Willie Taggart did something last year, though. This is why I really like him. Last year he was running an, an I-formation offense, a pro-style offense. It wasn't working. How do I fix this situation? I really like the quarterback. we got a great running back. we got athletes outside. How do I fix this problem? Let's go to an RPO offense. Oh, my goodness, the offense takes off, and they're putting up points, and they're winning games. This team finished with double-digit wins last year when nobody thought they were going to. This is a team this year. This offense looks really good, no doubt about it. All right. Unfortunately, it's like the fourth-best offense we faced, but all, all four of those offenses are in the top 40. USF's in the top 40 offensively. Willie Taggart said, let's change our offense to fit our players. Jimbo doesn't do that. Alabama did it. Ole Miss did it. Florida did it. All these teams mold their offenses to their players, yet Jimbo is still so damn stubborn that he wants to mold the players to his system. Well, Les Miles did that, and now he's fired. Okay? Les Miles didn't win by doing that. Were you able to run the system with, J- with Jameis and Freeman and Benjamin and Green O'Leary? Yeah, because you had all the right personnel to run that system. We don't have that same system anymore. We don't. No. Okay. Well, I just thought Jimbo was, uh, God, what a baby. I mean, what a cry. Even, even not only what he said about Auburn, but he said Alabama would have won the national championship. Uh, well, guess who Auburn played in the national championship, buddy? You. 
So I mean, he's, I don't know what he's what he's doing. Maybe he's trying to get a job on Saban's staff when Florida State boots it. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he could come be a consultant for Nick Saban. Let him he go. Can come be a consultant for Nick Saban. Okay. Let him go. All right, good. We heard it from a Florida State fan right here. You heard it. Let him go. Well, I agree with you. Let him go. Well, let's go to the NFL real quick. We're just going to go over five of these games before we go out of here. Carolina, Tampa Bay, Monday night, Jonathan. Does it really matter? Both of these teams suck, and uh, it's all Monday night football. I think this is where you where you change the schedule around because Tampa Bay sucks. They can't beat anybody. Carolina can't beat anybody. So why is this game on Monday night football? I don't know. Well, because they're hoping for a Jameis versus Cam Newton game. The idea before the season was that Jameis and Cam was going to be the next great quarterback rivalry in the NFL. We might not see Cam Newton in this game. And if there is no Cam Newton, the Bucks should win. Carolina has problems defensively. There's no doubt about that. No Jonathan Stewart, no Cam Newton. What's Carolina going to do on offense? I mean, just double Calvin Benjamin and call it a day. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to watch this game. I'm going to watch it out of more morbid curiosity than anything, though. Well, I think Cam's going to play. I just think, you know, the whole concussion thing is is a little overblown. I think he left because his pride was hurt. And he was, sulk- he was sulking, being a baby. And he does what he did best. He ran away, Quinn. So let's see if Cam can man up and get a win because he's acting like a total baby the entire season, especially against Atlanta. Yeah, I think I think if Cam plays, Carolina wins. But I think if Cam doesn't play, then Tampa Bay wins. Uh, it'll be whoever Vegas wants to win. There's no point spread on this game right now. So right now they're still waiting to see. That's, that's a huge indication that, there may not be a Cam Newton, first of all. That's what, like Jonathan was saying, they can't put a spread on this till they know the, the health of Cam Newton. So we'll see. I'm going to pick Carolina to win because I, because they're home, and I'm thinking he will play. But if he doesn't, then I won't even pick it. Minnesota-Houston right here is a good little game. Jonathan, you said Minnesota was going to suck. Do you still think they're going to, or do you think this is a team to take to take seriously for the rest of the season. They're a six-point favorite against Houston. Um, I think the schedule hopefully will get tougher for Minnesota, I'm hoping, but I don't think they're the best team in football by no stretch. Minnesota reminds me a lot of uh, of Denver last year where their defense just carried them uh, with, with some poor offensive play, and right now that's what's happening. Uh, you know, this defense has had one of the best four-game starts in NFL history. Uh, and points given up. And they, they've done a phenomenal job. I mean, this was a team that limited Aaron Rodgers uh, to, what, 14 points, limited uh, Eli Manning to 10, um, you know, and uh, they uh, – uh, not Big Ben. Um, anyways, you know, they, their defense is, is awesome. Xavier Rose has done a great job this year. He held Kelvin Benjamin to no receptions, held Odell to three, actually led Odell to say football is not fun anymore, which is hilarious. Uh, I, I really like Minnesota right now. It's just it's gonna it's it's gonna be an attrition battle though for them, because if they get dinged up on defense or I, you know if somebody like Stephon Diggs or, go, or somebody like that goes down, I don't know how they're gonna respond. I think as we get to the back half of their schedule, we'll find out if teams can actually uh, figure out the defense. 
Uh, but right now, I, I, I think you have to say they're a front runner uh, for the NFC. Yeah, and I'm. And the first four games are hard to. It's hard to predict, and it's especially hard for other coaches and players to adjust. I don't know how serious these players take these early games. You know, these first few games, and we'll we'll see. But I, I don't think Minnesota's great offensively, and I don't think they can win the NFC without Adrian Peterson. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. Bradford, you know, I thought that was a good move, you know, getting somebody to play quarterback, especially a proven starter. He's not great, but he's making he's making uh, Minnesota fans very happy, Quinn. I know you don't like to hear that, but so who are you picking, Houston or Minnesota in this game? I think Minnesota wins. I, I think their defensive pressure and getting to the quarterback is going to be huge this game. Uh, Houston has some pretty good wide receivers, but but I don't think Brock is going to be able to get them the ball. So, yeah, I think Minnesota wins by a touchdown. I'm going with the upset in this one. I'm going with the uh, Texans, Jonathan. I think Houston pulls off an upset on the road. I think Minnesota relaxes, and the short week, remember, they played Monday night. The short week, I think, gets them. I think Houston gets an unexpected upset in this crazy NFL. I, I like Minnesota to win this game. They're going to have the home field advantage. they got a great home crowd. Um, I, yeah, I think yeah. Houston still has enough questions offensively. This isn't a very good offensive Houston team right now. They're still trying to figure – uh, things out with Osweiler and Miller and Fuller um, to where I think Minnesota can kind of take this one, but it, it's going to be, it's going to be a slug fest. I mean, JJ Watt not be not playing uh, is obviously a huge ding on Houston's defense, but that defense is, is still talented. Yeah. Let's talk about the Packers and the Giants. That's going to be a Sunday night game in Green Bay. The Giants suck. Uh, it's just they're, they're terrible. Green Bay is going to start playing the way Green Bay is known to play. Um, just like R- Roger says, R-E-L-A-X, everybody. It's okay. Green Bay gets it done. Jonathan, they blow out the Giants on Sunday night. Blow out. Yeah, I mean, Green Bay's defense has, has most decent this year. Um, I, I think that they're going to go ahead and take care of business. Uh, against the Giants uh, with uh, Rodgers and co. are, are going to score enough uh, to win this game. So we're in the ballpark of uh, 24 to uh, 14. Quinn. Yeah, I think I think this game is going to come down to quarterback play. Uh, I'm not too high on either defense, but, and I think Rodgers is the better quarterback. So I think uh, the Packers offense gets it done for them. I mentioned the Bears suck during this broadcast. Yeah, no, I haven't. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Broncos and Falcons. This is a this is an interesting game, Jonathan. And Atlanta is playing a lot better than I've I've given them credit for. The offensive line's playing well. Denver is a team that, you know, I think this matches up good with Atlanta because I think Atlanta can score more points than Denver can. That makes any sense whatsoever. I just this is a kind of a weird matchup. Atlanta doesn't usually do well going on the road like this, but I think it's going to be a close game. Denver wins by a field goal. I think Atlanta keeps it close. 
They're playing good football right now. Well, Atlanta offensively is playing good football. Defensively, they sucked. Um, I think Denver's not going to have much trouble scoring. I think they're going to control the clock. Um, I, I think Vaughn Miller is going to get after Matt Ryan. Akeem Tlaib's going to have at least one interception. I think the Broncos win this game uh, by 10. Okay. Quinn? Yeah, I think the Broncos win between 10 to 14 points. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Sunday night. We're going to be able to talk about this and see who is right. But I don't want to see Atlanta win because it just means a bigger hole for Chicago or for Carolina coming back. And uh, right now they're two games out. I can live with that early in the season. But Carolina stumbles, or stumbles to Tampa Bay without Cam Newton and Atlanta somehow beats Denver, a team that beat Carolina. It could be the division could be sealed to Jonathan before he even moves so, to the next week. So we're going to pray that Denver wins and, and see what happens. So Dallas-Cincinnati, the game of the week really to me. Dallas is at home. Cincinnati. Jonathan, is it me or is it just Cincinnati suck? I mean, I watched Andy Dalton is just, God, he's just such a, not a good quarterback. When I watch him play, Cincinnati could do so much better. I think A.J. McCarron would be a better fit for Cincinnati right now to lead their team. But now they go to Dallas. It's a pick em. It's, it's There's no point spread in this game. Dallas, Cincinnati, and Prescott's not good. It's funny how Frank Howard gives uh, the kid from the Eagles, Wentz, all this love, how great he is. But he doesn't give uh, he doesn't give Prescott any love at all for the Cowboys. It's kind of weird because Prescott's a fifth rounder, I believe, and he comes out and he's winning games on a bigger stage than, than Wentz. And uh, I think Dallas gets the win. I think they. They win at home. I think Prescott's too much for Cincinnati. I think the defense of Dallas plays better. Uh, I'm going to pick Dallas until they prove me. I've been picking against them every week, and they've been winning. So I might as well pick them as if they lose, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that is kind of how it seems to work. Uh, D- Dallas uh, has played just well enough to win this year. Their offense has kind of been just do enough, um, you know, which, I mean, Dak's not turning the ball over. And that's a huge thing right now. This offense has not been giving the football away. Other defenses, okay, it's not great. Cincinnati, to me, is just an average team. Uh, and I don't think they suck. I think they're just an 8 and This is what an 8-8 eight eight team looks like to me. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to take Dallas to win this game. I don't have a lot of confidence in that. I think it's going to be a, a tightly contested game, um, you know, 24-21 type uh, affair. Yeah. Quinn, who do you like? I think Cincinnati wins. Uh, I think they have enough to be able to win. And, and Dallas isn't really good in Dallas. I mean, doesn't Alabama have more wins in that stadium than Dallas does? So, yeah, I don't think them being home field even matters. So, yeah. Uh, well, well, the Indianapolis Colts are favored four and a half points this weekend, Jonathan. How could the Colts be favored over anybody? Well, well, they're they're playing the Bears, so exactly. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the only the only team, well, yeah, I think the only team the Bears might be favored over at this point is is Cleveland. And Cleveland. That's, 
Not yeah. really saying much. Clean is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn, man, what are you? Who are you picking with your Bears and versus the Colts? I mean, this is a four and a half point spread, which means the Colts probably will blow this one wide open. Andrew Luck's been, I think he's winless this year, right? He hasn't won a game this year, and the Colts are in desperate need of. Uh, they won one, excuse me, one game, but they lose to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, and they got—they were blown out by Jacksonville until the end there. I mean, this is a Colts team that, that beat San Diego 26-22. to 22. San Diego choked. But the Bears, you know, I mean, the Bears did get a win, you know, against Detroit, 17-14. to 14. Is there any momentum coming out of, out of that game to be able to go on the road and beat Indianapolis? I don't know. I think the Colts will win. I just think I'm going to keep picking against the Bears. I thought there was no way they were going to beat Detroit last week, and they did. And they actually played pretty well, but I think the Colts will win. But maybe I'll be wrong. The bad, the bad news the bad news for the Bears is you got to play Jacksonville the next week, and then you start getting into your, your division play with Green Bay and Minnesota, which, ugh. It's gonna be yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be rough on your Bears, man. But I'm gonna pick the Colts by 11 in this game, Jonathan. I'm gonna pick go ahead and put 11 points on it. Yeah, I mean, I think the Colts win, and because of that, uh, I think they cover the spread. This is a stat that I posted on our group page. I might as well put it up there now. Winning teams in the NFL are 55-4-3 against the spread this year. Uh, and two of those covers were actually by half a point, the Saints against the Giants in week two and the Chargers against the Chiefs in week one. Um, so as long as I think a team's going to win, I'm just going to ride with them on the spread. And that's probably why I'm losing in the NFL. You, you, you can't pick the underdogs, can you? Take the points because you're losing every time. I mean, you know, home field advantage hasn't been big this year. Uh, the home teams are only 34 and 28. Uh, that's that's something that I always like to keep an eye on. That's I usually favor home teams. Uh, but this year, you just have to look at whoever the better team is. Um, and you you have you know usually I've noticed this over the past couple of years um, in the NFL, whoever has the largest spread tends uh, at home mainly tends to lose. Um, the Patriots last week with that uh, spread against Buffalo, and all of a sudden, boom, they got just blanked. Um, so I, I just think, as far as the NFL goes, if you ha- if you think a team's going to win, go ahead and bet them. This is a stat that I've been keeping a track of over the past couple years. Uh, winning teams are, are covering at almost, I want to say, a 75% rate at this point. Um, you know, so just you know, because the spreads are so much lower than they are in college, so just keep riding with these winning teams if you can get them. Um, I usually would just suggest if you see an undefeated team, ride them until they lose. Well, that probably explains why I'm losing uh, in the NFL, which I didn't touch really this Sunday, this past Sunday, after my four or five team parlays I had in college. But I don't even know if I'm gonna do a parlay this weekend, Jonathan, in college because. These games just there's not many that excite me. I don't think there's five games out there I do like. Or you know, there's, there's Vegas is starting to I think they're starting to adjust, don't you? Don't you think about week six or seven is when they really start tightening in that grip in college. 
Yeah, I mean, it's something that uh, I, I've been, you know, paying attention to really since 2013. The first five weeks are the weeks where if you know football, you're going to take advantage. The next five weeks are going to be the weeks where Vegas is going to get everything back. And then after that, it's anybody's guess because you start running into the rivalry games and things of that nature. Um, yeah. So I think I think you have to be very cautious these next five weeks. If you find five games that you like, I mean, you got to think about it more than once now. Whereas, like, in week one, I feel Vegas takes the biggest beating in week one. Because in week one, Vegas is like, we don't know what's going to happen. But if you know college football, you look at week one, you guys, okay, money, 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 money. And that's just kind of how it works. So until now, Vegas starts adjusting. I mean, Florida State over-unders started going up. So now you can't just automatically bet the over on Florida State games. Uh, you know, and there's going to be other teams where uh, you're going to look at those lines and go, that line seems right. And when I hear a line is right as a game where I'm like, nope, I'm good, no, no play. That's why the A&M Tennessee game scares me a little bit because you look at a Tennessee team that's five and zero. You know, usually going into A&M, you'd be a. You got to remember Auburn was a, a three point favorite over A&M, and now. A&M's a seven-point favorite over Tennessee, which uh, that, that could be a blowout coming right here. Vegas may be already locked on to this. That's why I'm kind of maybe watch this week and see what happens, write down my picks and, and with the point spreads and see because the games you're going to make the biggest mark on, I think, are the Charlotte-Florida Atlantic games, Massachusetts-Old Dominion, Texas State-Georgia State, teams like that that – the public are not heavy on. You start getting into the CBS 330 games. You saw that last week. Tennessee was a three and a half point favorite. Tennessee wins by three. You know, I mean, they they start nailing these big games. Clemson Louisville was even a crazy game, but uh, I think they start the bigger games. Jonathan are the ones I think Vegas spends the more time researching and putting all their information to. Where I think sometimes they neglect the. Southern Miss, Texas, San Antonio games a little bit. Idaho, Louisiana, Monroe, those are the ones you need to bet on, not these these big games, Arkansas and Alabama's, because I just don't think they put enough time into it. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, I, usually these five weeks, I, I tend to spend a little more time on smaller schools. Like last year, Bowling Green and Western Kentucky were my two teams that I just stuck with and rode out once we hit this part of the year, because they were covering every week. They were winning their games. Vegas wasn't really jumping their line. Um, You know, like tonight, for those of you that don't know, Georgia Southern is playing Arkansas State. And as I'm speaking, Georgia Southern just scored a touchdown. That line opened at five and a half and just started rising. And now over 90% of the action on the spread was on Georgia Southern. That should tell you a lot. I love Georgia Southern. I grabbed it at seven. Arkansas State's been terrible. There are a couple games this week where uh, you're going to look, look at – oh, yeah, and look at the smaller schools. If you see a school – if we learned anything from USC last week, if you see a school that's 0-4 and, and they're favored by double digits over somebody, looking at you, Georgia State, you should probably lay those points. All right, teams that are 0-4 shouldn't, usually shouldn't be double-digit favorites. And so, then, you know, look at the smaller games on the slate this week. Uh, but between tonight and tomorrow night, I'm going to put up a lot of uh, our, our weekend games. I'm going to focus on a lot of the smaller schools. I put on all the early games for the slates this week already up on our page. 
Take a look at those games and see how the lines are moving. Well, well, I'm going to tell you, my favorite comment of the whole year was Gus Malzahn after playing Arkansas State. He said, uh, we beat a very good football team that's out there tonight, a very good team, and they'll be in the postseason playing well. Uh, Utah State beat them 34-20. to Central Arkansas beat them. Central Arkansas. I didn't say Arkansas. Hold on in case it blurred. It, you know, cut me off. Central Arkansas went to Arkansas State, Jonathan, and won 28-23. to Gus was right. Yeah, they're a very real tough team here. <laughs> That's uh, to get exposed by Georgia Southern even more. I mean, what a dumb thing coaches say sometimes. Like, and and I hate listening to pregame when I hear coaches break down their opponent they're about to play. Like last week, Cody Burns said, uh, uh, "Yeah, this uh, Louisiana Monroe's very talented bunch of team." I'm like, "What? Very talented? They suck." And, and here's the deal. I mean, they're terrible. Georgia Southern beat them. I mean, okay. I mean, Louisiana Monroe, let's let's go back to, to them. Cody Burns, I know you're an Auburn man, but they, they lost bigly to everybody they played. I mean, they get killed. And I just wanted to throw that out there in case y'all think I love Auburn, and I do. But as soon as I said that Arkansas State bust a run up to the 50, Jonathan, they could be for real, man. Arkansas State could be for real now after I watched that run. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, whatever I hear, all right, so, coaches do this. Whenever they beat somebody, well, that was a good team. And that's, a nice, that's really the nice way, I guess, of saying, yeah, we won. I guess that's all that matters. Um, but you also don't want to shortchange somebody who might be your assistant in the future. <laughs> but, I mean, Arkansas State's a bad football team. Louisiana and Monroe are bad, as a bad football team. Arkansas State uh, was actually supposed to be good coming into this year, uh, at least for their conference. And they've kind of taken a, a left turn. Same thing with Northern Illinois, who has been atrocious this year. Um, whereas you look at somebody like Louisiana Monroe, who was a bottom five team going into this year. And I thought it was funny, the Auburn line where it was where it was for that game because that's how many points Oklahoma beat them by. So Oklahoma beat Monroe by 32, so they're like, okay, Auburn's a 32-point favorite, though. Yeah. And, uh, and I want to say something about the Auburn line and Mississippi, you know, I fell for the bait a little bit too after Arkansas State. I was like, wow, this offense is back, and then they come and lay an egg uh, against A&M. But against three Power Five team or big teams, I wouldn't say all of them are Power Five, but uh, are bigger teams, but they're not FCS schools. But Auburn has scored two touchdowns in 12 quarters against A&M, LSU, and Clemson, which means they haven't proven yet that they can score touchdowns against good football teams. So we'll see how they do the rest of the year. But I just don't like getting up on because we beat Arkansas State by 50 like I did last time. I was like, oh, they look good, Jonathan. Auburn looks real cohesive. Everything looked good. Yeah, it does against high school teams. It's easy to to dominate. When you look at Louisiana Monroe's uh, line, and they're like 230, the players are. I mean, yeah, I mean, 300-pound linemen will crush them all day long. But it's it's just harder to do that in conference play. So I don't fall for the bait for Auburn last week because they looked good against Monroe. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But, guys, we'll be back Sunday night and get, recap all these games and, and see. Hopefully people will stay safe in the hurricane. And uh, we have our presidential debate Sunday night, too, so we have to make sure we get off before 
before that gets going. What time is that, Jonathan, the presidential debate? Nine o'clock, probably. I, I don't know. I'm not watching it. And all right. Well, anyway, guys, have a great evening and uh, have a great week. Be safe, stay out of this hurricane, and we'll see you Sunday. All right, guys. Sounds good.